Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. We're in Joel chapter 1. Let me read it. Uh, the word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethelio. Hear this, O elders, and listen, O inhabitants of the land. Has anything like this happened in your days or in your father's days? Tell your sons about it and let your sons tell their sons and their sons the next generation. What the gnawing locust has left, the swarming locust has eaten. And what the swarming locust has left, the creeping locust has eaten. And what the creeping locust has left, the stripping locust has eaten. Awake, drunkards, and weep and wail, all you wine drinkers, on account of the sweet wine that is cut off from your mouth. For a nation has invited my land, mighty and without number. Its teeth are like the teeth of a lion, and it has fangs of a linus. It has made my vine a waste my fig tree splinters. It has stripped them bare and cast them away. Their branches have become white. Wail, like a virgin girded with sackcloth for the bridegroom of her youth. The grain offering, the libation are cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests mourn, the ministers of the Lord. The field is ruined. The land mourns, for the grain is ruined. The new wine dries up. Fresh oil fails. Be ashamed, O farmers, wail, O vine dressers, for the wheat and the barley, because the harvest of the field is destroyed. The vine dries up, and the fig tree fails, the pomegranate, the palm also, and the apple tree. All the trees of the field dry up. Indeed, rejoicing dries up from the sons of men. Gird yourselves with sackcloth and lament, O priests. Wail, O ministers of the altar. Come spend the night in sackcloth, O ministers of my God. For the grain offering and the libation are withheld from the house of your God. Consecrate a fast. Proclaim a psalm assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land to the house of the Lord your God. And cry out to the Lord. Alas, for the day, for the day of the Lord is near. It will come as destruction from the Almighty. Has not food been cut off before our eyes, gladness and joy from the house of our God? The seeds shrivel under their clods. The storehouses are de uh, desolate. The barns are torn down. The grain is dried up. How the beasts groan. The herds of cattle wander aimlessly because there is no pasture for them. Even the flocks of sheep suffer. To thee, O Lord, I cry. For fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness, and the flame has burned up the trees of the field. Even the beasts of the field pant for thee, for the water brooks are dried up, and fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness. Okay, so let's see uh, where we go with, with this, with Joel 1. So Right off the bat, I think it's good and important to know the theme of the book of Joel. Only three short chapters. And basically, it's a prophecy uh, given uh, by Joel to the people of Judah. 
he gives this prophecy and the setting at this point is there's some real problems happening in the land. There's a severe drought. Uh, not only is there a severe drought, locusts are beginning to eat up the crops. And basically, as Joel does this prophecy, he's basically telling the people, guess what? All this is, is happening is because you have sinned and you need to repent and get your act straight. So that's kind of like the overall theme that he's hammering at uh, so that he would wake up the people of Judah so that they would be able to recover from this tremendous judgment that God is sending upon them. So let's start here right in the beginning. Uh, the word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Bethuel. And I find that very interesting. Uh, the word of the Lord came to Joel. The word of the Lord came. God knows the right time to speak a word to us. And I'm sure each of us at different times of our lives, out of the blue, God has spoke to your spirit. And he's given you a message. And, you know, maybe you can reflect back now or somewhere uh, in your past where, you know, God literally spoke a word to you. Uh, it's important uh, to realize that, that this happens to us. We need to have ears to hear. God is speaking. Uh, he speaks in his time <clears throat> and he speaks in his way. And we can't control. Uh, we can't control when he speaks. That's up to him. But basically, we have to be ready to hear and ready to respond uh, when he does speak. Okay? So we need to have ears to hear. Remember Jesus in the New Testament many times says, he who has ears, let him hear. Are our ears open? I know somebody kind of painted a picture once of this. Uh, like when you see in people's house to receive the signal, let's say, for your TV. Uh, and we need to, in a sense, have those, those this open so that we're always ready to hear what God speaks. Uh, I find it interesting. Uh, another person had his ears open and God spoke. It's interesting. Uh, Joel caused the people to repent. And it's interesting. John the Baptist in the New Testament uh, does the same exact thing. Uh, it says here in Luke chapter 3, verse 2, the word of the Lord came to John in the wilderness. Okay? John's just doing his normal thing. He's in a wilderness. He's preparing. He's waiting for God to speak. And when God speaks, he begins to, to share that with others. Uh, and he basically begins to preach and to baptize. So in the time of Joel, Joel heard when God spoke. In the New Testament, John the Baptist heard when God spoke. Uh, we know that's true of the Old Testament prophets, too. Going back, a lot of these other prophets, Hosea, Ezekiel, Daniel, uh, Haggai, all these, when God spoke. It was the key to Jesus' ministry. He always heard what the Father was speaking. Uh, in a sense, they were all tuned to the wavelength of the Lord. And when they heard, they obeyed. Uh, so, so important. So I think the first thing uh, I want to drive home is right here, just this first verse. The word of the Lord came. Are we open? 
Am I open? Are you open? That if God wants to speak a word at any point, and we never know exactly what it is, but are we open to hear God's voice? And I think there's an implication that if we hear his voice, God's expecting us not just to hear his voice, but to do what he asks us to do. So we need to hear, uh, but we also need to be able to be willing to obey. So talking about the the word hearing, uh, look at verse two. The word of the Lord came to Joel, and he's telling the people, you need to respond here. Hear this, O elders. Listen, all inhabitants of the land. Joel's job was to receive the word. His job was then to give the word. And the job of the people was first to hear that, uh, to be able to hear what God was telling them to do. So I think a couple of things. So far, we need to hear the word of God. And then after we hear it, we need to tell others. And that's exactly what Joel did. He heard God speak, and then he passed on to other people what he heard God speak to him. And he basically tells them this. Look at verse 3. What's the word he has for them? Tell your sons about it. Let your sons tell their sons and their sons the next generation. So basically, he's saying, I want you to hear what I'm going to say. It's extremely important. He's saying that to the people of Judah. And not only do I want you to assimilate the message I'm giving to you, but I want you then, he said, to pass it on to your sons. And I want them to pass it on. In other words, what I'm saying is not just for this generation. It's for many generations after. So it's important, I think, he says, to be able to pass things on. And in this case, He's saying, I want you and Judah to pass on to your sons the importance of obedience to the Lord. Uh, And if there's not obedience, there'll be judgment. Uh, And I think he would be saying that to us. We need to pass on when we hear God say something clearly to us. He wants us to pass it on to other people that need to hear it. Okay, so what what exactly uh, is he to pass on? What's Joel saying? Uh, And look at this. He says here at the end of verse two, that last chunk, has anything like this happened in your days or in your father's days? He's saying something unusual is happening in the land of Judah. Something unusual. And he says, what is the unusual thing? Look at verse four. For the gnawing locust has left. The swarming locust has eaten. And what the swarming locust has left, the creeping locust has eaten. What the creeping locust has left, the stripping locust has eaten. So he's basically saying here, there's been a major problem. Locusts are being turned loose and destroying the crops. And the the, the million dollar question is, okay, why? Why is God permitting this? And if you uh, see, and I'm going to just read a little chunk here uh, of Deuteronomy chapter 28. Uh, there God very clearly told the Israelites, he said, if you obey me, you're going to be blessed. And you read all of Deuteronomy 28. God starts out, if you are with me, if you're in sync with me, I'll bless you. But it also says, if you disobey me, there will be consequence. And one of the consequences uh, is what Judah is experiencing. Uh, In Deuteronomy 28, and if you look at verse 38, it says this. 
You shall bring out much seed to the field, but you shall gather in little, for the locusts shall consume it. You shall plant and cultivate vineyards, but you shall neither drink of the wine nor gather the grapes, for the worm shall devour them. God very clearly turned the people of Israel and Judah, hey, guess what? If you do these things, you disobey me, one of the punishments and one of the judgments is I'm going to allow your crops to be destroyed. And God's taking a little red flag, waving it and say, hey, by the way, wake up, wake up, wake up. There's a reason why your crops are failing. He goes on uh, when we're talking about that a little bit further, when we're talking about wake up, look at verse five, wake up drunkards and weep and wail all you wine drinkers on account of the sweet wine that is cut off from your mouth. Awake, awake. I can almost see uh, Joel going to the people and, and getting them and shaking them and say, wake up, wake up. It's like, you know, you're, you're kind of like in a half slumber. Wake up, wake up. It's almost like he's taking uh, um, some kind of a pail of cold water and throwing it right at them and say, wake up. Don't you realize you're in the state of sleep? You, you're, you're not paying attention. Wake up, wake up. And he says, you're drunkards. In other words, they've been just having a party time. And he's saying, you need to do something. He said, you need to weep. And this is a repeated refrain when he talks about this, when he says, weep. And he goes on, wail. Weep and wail. Wail is a loud cry. It's a cry of, oh, wow, of just like I'm overwhelmed. Uh, wailing like I'm hurting so bad. Uh, it's it's saying that I am distressed deeply on the inside. So he's saying, wail, wake up. He's trying to shake them. He says, repent. He's saying, turn away. Your sins have messed your life up. The crops are going down. You have no wine. He says, wake up, repent, turn around. And it makes me wonder uh, in our own lives, is there anything that God is trying to wake us up to? I'm talking to me personally, but I'm talking to anybody on the screen. Has God been knocking at the door, you might say, of our lives? Uh, has he been trying to get our attention? I think we kind of know when God's trying to get our attention. And sometimes we kind of like, you know, I, I don't want to hear that right now. Uh, don't don't disturb my life. I, I'm I'm okay the way I am. Nonetheless, God is He's patient and He's persistent, and He and He keeps knocking. So I think one of the lessons we need to apply, at least I need to at this point, is to ask Lord, is there anything you're trying to get through to me? Are you trying to say to me, John, wake up, wake up? I have a message for you. I'm asking you to hear what I have to say, and I'm asking you to turn, turn from doing what's wrong. Okay, uh, so basically, uh, why is everything going the down the tubes? Why are the, the, the crops failing? Uh, and if you look at verse six, we'll see that it's because a nation is pretty much knocked out, Judah. For a nation has invaded my land, mighty and without number. Its teeth are the teeth of a lion, and it has the fangs of a lioness. It has made my vine a waste, and my fig tree splinters. It has stripped them, 
and cast them away. The branches have become white. So here, the army here is basically the locusts. But really, I think these locusts represent a foreign country that has basically invaded the land. Not only uh, is the land going down the tubes uh, and God's judging, but there's a foreign country that's very much like the locusts that's coming and invading Judah. We don't know exactly the invading army. Uh, it could be the Assyrians, but more properly, it's the Babylonians that are coming against Judah. Uh, and that's why uh, things are going down the tubes real quick. Again, note the word. I think if God says something once, he's trying to get our attention. When he says it again, he's saying, this is important. And when he says it again and again and again, he says, do not miss what I'm trying to say. Because notice in five, he says, weep and wail. Uh, again, on 18, he says, uh, eight, I'm sorry, he says, wail. On nine, he says, mourn. In 11, he says, wail again. Uh, 13, he says, wail. Uh, and God is just saying over and over, wail. Feel the impact of what sin is doing in your life. And he's saying, don't play with it. Turn away from it. Wail. Uh, and I think he's saying not just wail because your crops are being destroyed. Yeah, wail. The crops are destroyed. Yeah, wail for that. But wail because of why your crops are being destroyed. Wail because you caused this to occur. I warned you way back. I think God would be saying in Deuteronomy, I warned you, if you walk with me, I'll bless you. But if you turn away, if you do your own thing, then I'm going to allow the curses to come upon you. And he's saying, well, not just that everything's going bad with the crops, but well, because you brought this on yourself. This is not a happy book. And, you know, sometimes we need to hear uh, uplifting things and encouragement and positive things, but sometimes God needs to give a wake-up call. Sometimes we need a wake-up call because he loves us enough to try to get our attention so we don't allow our lives to go down the tubes. If he goes a little bit further here, uh, he says, verse 8, wail like a virgin clothed in sackcloth for the bridegroom of her youth. It's wail as if you had just been married and your spouse was killed. I mean, you can imagine if that occurred, the tremendous, intense pain and sorrow you would have in yourself if that was, was you. And I think God is saying, do you have that pain when you've sinned? Do you realize how bad sin is, what it does to me, what it does to you? And he's saying, I want you to feel this pain and turn from your sin. Wail like a virgin girded with sackcloth for the bridegroom of her youth. The grain offering and the libation are cut off in the house of the Lord. The priests mourn, the ministers of the Lord. So even the priests, they're mourning because they're not even to get the food brought to them from the land, from the people, because again, everything's back and not going forward. So the priests mourn. He says the field is ruined. The land mourns for the grain is ruined. The new wine dries up. Fresh oil fails. Again, he's saying, wake up, priests. Wake up, nation. Verse 11, be ashamed, O farmers. Here's again the word, wail, 
O vine dressers, for the wheat and the barley, because the harvest of the field is destroyed. The vine dries up, the fig tree fails, the pomegranate, the palm also, and the apple tree. All the trees of the field dry up. Indeed, rejoicing dries up from the sons of men. That is a sad, 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 sad commentary. Sad. Rejoicing dries up. Rejoicing dries up. So he goes on a little bit further on verse 13. Gird yourselves with sackcloth and lament, O priests. Wail, O ministers of the altar. Come, spend the night in sackcloth. O ministers of my God, for the grain offering and the libation are withheld from the house of your God. So basically, <clears throat> he's saying to the priests, to the leaders, put on sackcloth. Uh, and basically, uh, sackcloth uh, means I'm humbling myself. It's coarse clothing that you put over yourself. Uh, it's, a, it's a sign of penitence. Uh, it shows remorse over sins. Many times also talks about sackcloth and ashes they put on their head. Uh, again, it's a symbol of deep remorse when something is happening. Gird yourselves with sackcloth. And then he says, lament, lament. Uh, basically is a mourning allowed to strongly regret something. So he's saying, okay, leaders, okay, spiritual leaders, I want you to do this. Put on sackcloth, lament, leaders, wail, ministers of the altar, spend the night in sackcloth, O ministers of my God. <clears throat> he's not saying uh, this is to be a quick thing. Uh, he's basically saying, hey, no, no, no. This is an all-night deal. This is sincere. Basically, he's saying, leaders, you need to step up and pray for yourselves and pray for the people. Uh, so he's basically saying at this, uh, that not only that, he says the whole group of the nation need to respond. Verse 14, here's where we are. Consecrate a fast. Proclaim a psalm assembly. Gather the elders, okay? You got the priests. They're the spiritual leaders. Get the elders, okay? That would be like basically you have Pastor Brennan uh, and the elders. Mike would be an elder. Bob would be an elder. Doug would be myself. So he's saying, okay, get the elders as well as the leader, Pastor Brennan. Consecrate a fast. And not only that, for all the inhabitants of the land. Cry out to the Lord. So basically, he's saying the whole society needs to turn around, right from the top, from the spiritual leaders, right to the common person. They all need to cry out. And he says, consecrate a fast. We've seen this idea of fasting means that we humble ourselves as we fast. Uh, when we fast, we say, God, we're not playing around in prayer. We mean business with you. God, we're fasting. Because we want to get closer to you. We're fasting to push down the lust of the flesh uh, and to be able, but to let the spirit loose. So I think when we look at today, uh, we can see in our own situation of our nation. I mean, this could be, in a sense, 
give asked. Well, why? Because in many cases, the church has compromised with the world. There's been studies, uh, and they've come up with the fact that in many cases, the church looks like the world. We've allowed the world to infiltrate us versus us infiltrating the society. Uh, that's dangerous. We've compromised. We've watered down things. It's not a good thing to do. Uh, and not only has the church many times dropped the ball, uh, but we know because the church has not been the light that it needs to be in society, because of that, we've seen society begin to slip. We've seen that sexually. How much is going off and, and bizarre things? Again, because the church has not done its job fully. We've seen it in that. We've seen that in regards to materialism, greed, whatever. Uh, so I think he's saying here, pastors, spiritual leaders, first, you need to get your act straight. You need to repent. You need to return. And after you get yourself straight, then go to the congregations and tell the congregations they need to get themselves straight. Many, many people feel we need a revival in the church. We need the church to wake up. We need the fire of God to come again on the church, that there be a fresh Pentecost and a fresh passion of the church to get the word out. That's something that is desperately needed. Uh, I'm really glad uh, that there's a number of churches in our area, uh, at least 12, probably more like 15 or more, uh, have felt the burden to pray for revival upon the churches in our area. Uh, so that when the church gets fired up, society will wake up and turn around and go in the direction the Lord wants them to go. So uh, if you would like to be able to see about these churches in our area, there's a website. It's called reviveusagain.org. It's all one word, reviveusagain. That's just one word, dot org. Uh, and basically, uh, there's a meeting of the churches. We're part of it as Fusion meeting once a month to pray for God to touch the churches, that we'd be what we need to be. Uh, the next one of these is going to be on Sunday, February 19th at Praise Tabernacle, which is really right down the street on Ocean Heights Road for us. So I'd really encourage you to come out and be part of that. See what it's like here when people are crying out to the Lord. There's also a, a group that meets on Wednesday mornings. Uh, we have prayer. Uh, from 9 to 10 on Wednesdays, and it's a it's a beautiful time of prayer and worship. But then from 10 to 10.30, uh, we meet in the welcome homeroom, and we pray specifically for revival, for the Spirit to come and move on Fusion Church, the churches in our area, the churches in New Jersey, and the churches in our nation and our world. Going a little bit further here as we're beginning to wrap up a bit, uh, back to them. Uh, back to Judah, he's saying, you need to turn around because guess what? Something's happening. Alas, for the day, for the day of the Lord is near and it will come as destruction from the almighty. Has not food been cut off before our eyes? Gladness and joy from the house of God. The seeds shrivel under their clods. The storehouses are desolate. The barns are torn down, for the grain is dried up. How the beasts groan. The herds of cattle wander aimlessly because there is no pasture for them. Even the flocks of sheep suffer. So basically, he, he says the same thing. 
the guts from the inside. Verse 19, to thee, O Lord, I cry. Joel is saying, I stand in the gap, God. You got to do something about this. You got to do something. Lord, do something. Wake the people up. The fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness. The flame has burned up the trees of the field. Even the beasts of the field pant for thee. For the water brooks are dried up. The fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness. So basically, uh, he cries. And notice, I'm just kind of cheating a little bit. I'm going to go into chapter 2. This is really important, this closing part here. Chapter 2, verse 12. So what God is hearing all this happening. And here's what God clearly says to the people of Judah. And not only is God saying that to the people of Judah, I believe he's saying that to us, our society as well. Listen very carefully. Yet even now, declares the Lord, here it is. Return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. So God says, okay, hard times are here. I want you to wake up, return to me. It didn't say return with some of your heart, a little bit of your heart. He says, no, people, return to me with all your heart. In other words, God's saying, I want a full surrender. I want a full surrender of your life to me. Return to me with all your heart, with weeping and fasting and mourning. And here, notice what he says. Rend your heart, not your garments. Now return to the Lord your God. And he's basically saying sometimes the people, when they were in despair, would just take their garments and rip them. It was a sign of, oh, like, this is terrible. Uh, I'm really upset. I'll rent my garment. And he's saying, no, no, no. When I'm talking of a showy thing like the Pharisees used to do, where it was all outside and show, uh, basically he says, no, I don't want that. He said, I want you to be able to rent your heart and basically return to me fully, 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 fully serve me. And why should they do that? Because here's the good thing. When we turn from our sin, God, God makes a response at the end of 13. For he's gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and relenting of evil. And when they do that, look at what God says I'll do. Verse 18. Then the Lord will be zealous for the land, and he will have pity on his people. The Lord will answer and say to his people, Behold, I'm going to send you grain, new wine, and oil. You'll be satisfied and full with them, and I will never again make you a reproach among the nations. And you can see more of what God will do at the end of chapter 2. So God says, when you turn, it'll make a big difference. So what's the takeaway? Uh, I, I think three things. Joel was speaking to people back then in Judah, but I get through Joel, God, I believe, is speaking to us. Number one, I think he's saying this. We need to realize that sin has consequences. What we sow, the Bible says, we will reap. That holds true whether it's in the Old Testament, whether it's in the New Testament, whether it's our life today. What we sow, positive or negative, we're going to reap. There's just no way we can get around that. Uh, and because of that, the sins of, has the consequence of causing us misery and judgment. Okay, so just we need to realize sin does affect us. Number two, 
we need to realize because sin affects God and hurts him and because sin makes our lives miserable, we need to realize that we can't dilly-dally with sin. We can't play games with sin. In other words, uh, as we were talking earlier, when the Holy Spirit knocks and when he, he begins to try to get our attention to say, hey, 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 you need to turn change your way. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear. No, we need to wake up and say, okay, Holy Spirit, you're trying to get my attention. What is it you're trying to adjust in my life? So again, I think we need to be willing to say, Lord, um, you know, during this Daniel Fest, is there anything in me, Lord, that needs to be changed? Anything you're trying to adjust in me and be willing to hear that. So we need to realize sin has consequences. One, two, we need to realize that we can't play with sin. We need to turn from it as he says, fully with our whole heart. And not only that, uh, number three, we need to be able to pass on the message we've learned to our next generation, to our kids and their kids, they pass it on. In other words, keep telling people, keep warning people, tell them, tell them. He says that, remember, it says here in Joel 1. What did he say here in Joel 1? Chapter three, tell your sons, let your sons tell their sons and their sons to the next generation. In other words, if you've learned a lesson, pass it on to your kids and tell them to pass it on to others. Tell them to pass on, you don't play with sin, but also tell them God is good and he's merciful and he wants to be able to bless his people. So Joel is talking to Judah, but I believe he's talking to us as well. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the wake-up call of Joel. Uh, we just thank you, Lord, uh, that you woke him up so that he could wake the people up. Uh, and Lord, we just, we just come today. Uh, Lord, is there anything in us, in myself or anybody on the screen, is there something, Lord, you've been trying to address in our lives? Is there something where your Holy Spirit's been knocking at the door and, and saying, I want to get your attention. Something needs to change in your life. You need to stop doing this or you need to do that. Lord, we, we just pray that we wouldn't just say, oh, that's a nice Bible study this morning. But Lord, that we would take it to heart. That you're trying to speak a word to each of us to draw us closer and closer and closer to you. So, Lord, thank you. Uh, for speaking to us, and thank you, Lord, we can pass that word on to other people. We pray, Lord, we'd have a burden uh, for the church, your church, that it would be holy, that it would be fired up. We, we have a burden, Lord, for our society and for our nation, for the struggle it's going through. And Father, we just pray that you continue to lead us in this fast, that it would draw us closer to hear your heart and to be able to hear the words you're speaking to us individually and as a church. Father, we ask it in Jesus' strong name. Amen. Amen. May you folks have a great day. Uh, God bless you all. God bless.